welcome to the Homeschooling Family Podcast. Here, we discuss just about everything that comes into play when you're a Christian homeschooling family. I'm Leslie Nunnery. For today's podcast, I wanted to share with you an interview I did a few years back with Steve Lambert of Five in a Row. I remember getting off that call and telling David, oh, that's why I love him so and why everybody needs to know him. I'm pretty sure you'll understand why. In today's conversation, Steve will walk us through several of the things he has learned about homeschooling and parenting through the years, and I promise you'll be hanging on his every word. So find yourself a comfy chair, grab a cup of tea, and join Steve Lambert and I as we chat about keeping it simple. Before we jump in today, though, I wanted to take a second to thank Vipri Wellness for sponsoring today's podcast. Vipri is a comprehensive brain health company providing tools for a healthier brain. To learn more, visit vipri.com forward slash TTD. That's B-I-P-R-I dot com slash TTD. Or follow Vipri Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. And now, let's chat with Steve Lambert. Welcome back this week. I am so excited to have with us a gentleman that I met for the first time. Well, no, I had met him once before, but I actually got to spend some time with him in Rogers, Arkansas this year. And it was one of the most blessed experiences of my life. God was so gracious to allow us to, to have some great conversations there. And I'm just, I'm very grateful for that. But I'm also very excited to introduce those of you who have not met him or who have not heard him before. I want to introduce you to him. And then for those of you for whom he's an old friend, I am very excited to be able to share him with you as well. So welcome with me, Steve Lambert, who is with five in a row. He and his wife, Jane, are the couple behind that. So Steve, I welcome you. I am grateful you're here. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family and kind of how God got you from where you were to kind of where you are now? Thank you, Leslie. Good morning. Good to be with you. Yeah, Jane and I began homeschooling in 1981, and it was something that at that time we didn't really know anybody who'd ever homeschooled, and it was just something that the Lord kind of laid on our hearts, and Jane brought it up first, and I asked all the obvious questions that every husband asks, you know, and are you kidding? And how can we do that? And is it legal? And all those kinds of questions. But we began a journey that we had no idea would take us all the way through high school with our daughters. And now our seven grandchildren are all being homeschooled. And, and so it's been turned into quite an adventure. And along the way, Jane began providing materials and resources for girlfriends who wanted to know how in the world are you doing what you're doing? And that evolved into the product that we now know is five in a row, which has been on the market now. Well, next year will be our 25th anniversary. We'll be celebrating 25 years in the homeschool marketplace and out talking and sharing with people. And so, of course, you know, we had no idea, but uh, we just kind of stumbled into it. But God led us along the path and was gracious to us. And so it's been quite an adventure, a lifetime adventure, really, as we approach the age of 70 now. Wow. Well, if starting in 1981, I would imagine the landscape in homeschooling was significantly different than it is now. Um, for a lot of our families that are watching, they are even younger than me. I, I don't know when I became one of the, you know, Titus two moms that's reaching down, but we have a lot of young moms. Can you give them a little bit of idea of how the landscape is different in homeschooling now? Yeah, it, it really has changed dramatically. You know, as I said, we didn't know anybody who'd ever homeschooled. Uh, my wife heard about it somewhere, and I don't even know how she heard about it. But at that time, 
you know, there were questions about the legality. We ended up uh, being uh, investigated by social services, had to appear with an attorney before the school board and represent ourselves. And, you know, it was quite an adventure. Jane used to say that the only place, you know, between eight and four that you could be out in public was the cemetery. And in fact, she would go quite often. We had a beautiful big cemetery near us with lakes and ponds and trees. And, and she would go there and none of the people who, who resided there ever complained or any asked any questions about our children. So she would go and do sometimes if they wanted to get outdoors during the day. But, you know, we had to come up with our own materials. There really was nothing in the way of curriculum. There were two or three major Christian school publishers at that time, but they would not sell material to homeschool families huh. because I think it endangered their bread and butter of Christian schools. And I understand that. So we largely came up with our own resources, our own materials, trips to the library. <clears throat> and out of that evolved a teaching methodology and a, and a practice that became five in a row. But it is so different today with just so many resources, almost an abundance of riches that it's difficult. I think it's kind of overwhelming for young moms today to sort through all of the options and curriculum and programs and, and philosophies of education and groups and co-ops and, and uh, just resource centers, so many options out there that it can be kind of overwhelming. And Jane and I have often said when we walk into something like a Teach Them Diligently conference in the convention hall, I say, you know, what would you do if you were brand new and you walked in here today? And she said, I'd probably just give up and put my kids back in school because I wouldn't even know where to begin. And so it's a very, very different experience, but, but a great opportunity for schoolers, homeschoolers today to pick and choose among all the wealth of resources that are available to us today. Well, as, as you know, our heart is to really preach the foundation of why we would do this in the first place. And I think that that's one of the things that gets lost sometimes in the plethora of resources that we have available, because it's like going into a candy store. You can pick and choose and do all these things, but... I know your heart is the same as ours in that foundation. How can we, with all of this stuff available, really keep it simple and keep it focused on why God called us to do this in the first place? And what are some, I guess, practical ways that, that you've been advising people to, to do that, to keep your focus right so that your decisions are made within that mission? Yeah, great questions. The, the journey that we began years ago was mostly first and foremost, about developing relationships with our children, developing a firm foundation in Christ, uh, developing uh, a, f a strong family relationship. And along the way, obviously, we had to incorporate academics. Today, it seems like academics have become the focal point. And so all the focus is on how do we measure up against public schools and how do we measure up against standardized testing. The reality is that tutorial education, if you've got one teacher to one or two or three or four or five children, it is so inherently efficient that even if you're not particularly good at it, your kids are gonna do fine academically as opposed to the diversity of a classroom where one teacher's dividing her attention among 25 or 30 students. But the temptation uh, has been exacerbated by things like Pinterest. And so we see homeschool moms post that once in the month or once in the quarter or even once in a year, incredible day that they had with all the great experiences. And so homeschool moms who were in the trenches look at that and they think, oh my gosh, this is what it's supposed to look like every day. But that's not true. And if you've ever invited guests to your home, chances are you probably cleaned up before you had a big dinner party. If they walked into your home on any normal day, it might not look quite as presentable as it did when you had eight guests for dinner. So the temptation is to jump ship 
to constantly be trading this curriculum for that, to constantly be measuring ourselves against the performance of public schools or standardized testing. The reality is that uh, study after study after study has shown that public school kids in general do 15 to 20% worse than homeschool kids. Homeschool kids excel socially, academically. That's really not an issue. But the decision that we all make and the decisions that we make again and again and again throughout our homeschool careers are always based on either faith or fear. In fact, that's probably true of much of life. Every decision that we make that's based on fear almost inevitably produces bitter fruit. So if we're afraid of our kids being in a public school or we're afraid of their influence or we're afraid of falling behind or we're afraid that somebody else's child could read at three and a half, that produces some kind of negative results in our lives and we become frantic and not focused and not Holy Spirit driven. Uh, when we base our decisions on faith, knowing that the one who's called us is faithful to get us to the finish line, you know, that's the bottom line. And that was our beginning. That was our foundation was no answers, no direction, no idea what we were doing, but a faith in the reality of the one who called us, that he's been faithful, whether he's calling you to get in the boat and go to the other side in the midst of a storm with fishermen, you know, terrified that they're going to drown, or whether he's calling you to the even deeper waters of homeschooling. The reality is that the one who's called you is faithful to get you there. And so Anytime you find yourself frantically jumping around or frightened about the future or uncertain about your choices or jumping ship and going from curriculum to curriculum to curriculum because it's the latest hot thing, you need to slow down, center, focus, and realize this was never my idea in the first place. This was God's idea. You know, most of us are what my friend Heidi St. John calls unintentional homeschoolers. We never set out. It doesn't make a lot of economic sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense in a lot of ways. But for 99% of us, we're here because the Holy Spirit, the same God that said, let there be light and let the waters be separated from the firmament, the same God that said, said, Lazarus, come forth, is the God who said, you know, touched our hearts, turned our spirit in an unexpected direction and said, why don't you think about homeschooling your kids? And if that's true, then you can absolutely rely on the faithfulness of the one who invited you to go on this journey. And that's that self-centering thought, a God-centered thought. Uh, will keep you from lots of wrong paths and, and fear-based decisions along the way. Well, I know that, you know, I have a little bit of a rear view mirror now. Camden, my oldest, has graduated. He started college. Um, and probably if, of all the ones that I felt like I was moving an elephant, he's, he's the most elephant of the elephants. And there were so many days where I just cried out to God, I am failing, God, I'm ruining him, I am doing all of these things. and yet. Now I stand before a young man who is rapidly studying his Bible, who desires to please God and serve others and show God's love to as many people as he can. And I realize that God was weaving this tapestry and was growing him in such a way that I just stand in awe. And the fact that God allowed David and I to kind of have a front row seat to watch all of that is awe-inspiring as well. You have a much larger rearview mirror than I do, obviously. So what were some of the things, you know, you mentioned how we can get frantic and we can get so concerned and, and, and tied up in these ideals all around us. Am I preparing him for the SAT? Will he be able to get into college? All this stuff that is, is very real as you're looking at high school and, and, you know, these are things that the world is throwing at us, even we're throwing at each other. So what it, with that bigger picture in mind, that really focusing in on why God called you to do it. What are some of the things that you have observed in your children? And then they obviously are now homeschooling their children 
So what do you see as the fruits of labor of home education when it's done with a focus on pleasing God and, and following him even in the midst of stormy waters? Gosh, huge questions, life questions. Those are the things that we all hope that we'll be able to answer in a positive way at the end of this journey, Leslie. You know, our, our family has a closeness and a relationship that so many of our peers who d did not choose public schooling do not have. Uh, our children have been able to pursue and their grandchildren are able to pursue some of the gifts that God gave them in terms of whether it's music or art or, or whatever area that they might not have been able to pursue otherwise. All of them are walking with God, serving the Lord, and that's not, by the way, a guarantee. I mean, there's two parts to this parenting equation. I've said this for years. God spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but in a clear way when, when my wife mentioned homeschooling in 1981. And I said, you know, I, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if we should do this. And I felt like the Lord said, you're accountable for how your kids are raised. And if you want to delegate that responsibility to other people, that's up to you. But you're the one that's going to sit for the final exam someday. You're the one that's accountable. And it was some years later when he said, your kids are accountable for how they turn out. So if you've had a child who is, is the prodigal at the moment, don't beat yourself up because they had a part in that equation too. And uh, not, on that same token, don't take all the credit if your kids are walking with the Lord because they have a part in that. But the biggest picture and the thing that I think none of us expected that I think is shocking to most people is that on any given day, yeah, you don't have to be homeschooling long to realize that on any given day, the person who learns most in the homeschool classroom is probably mom or dad who's working with the kids. But in the bigger picture, we thought God invited us to go on this journey for the sake of our children. Hmm. And I think the reality is it was as much for our benefit as it was for theirs. One of the things that I've said so often over the years is we all have stuff. We've all got stuff that the Lord's been dealing with us about. And if we don't deal with our own stuff, he gives us a husband or a wife to remind us about our stuff. <laughs> and if we still don't deal with our stuff, then he gives us children who are living witnesses to our stuff. And if that doesn't work, then he invites us to homeschool. And now we have living witnesses 24-7 in front of us saying, Mom, why are you always angry? Mom, why do you always wait till the last minute? Mom, why, why are you always this, that, or the other? And what we won't do for ourselves, we'll often do for love. I quit smoking cigarettes after 20 years. It's now been almost 40 years, 35 years ago, not because I discovered it was bad for me. I knew that the day I started smoking, but because I didn't want my children, who were tiny at the time, to get secondhand smoke. And that love for my children inspired me to deal with stuff in my life that I hadn't done before. So this homeschooling journey, uh, has produced fruits in our children's lives, fruits to the next generation, and hopefully to the generations beyond that. But shockingly, it's produced fruit in, in, in our lives as parents and grandparents. It's caused us to have to come face to face with some of the stuff that we resisted dealing with. And I think that's, that's an unexpected blessing and legacy that homeschooling, we never, we never saw that coming. And, uh, and I think that's true for almost everybody I know now whose, whose children are grown, uh, they realize our life would have been very, very different, not just in terms of how we spend our day-to-day -day time, but in terms of who we are as adults, who our children became, who we are as a family, the mark and the legacy that we've left in our community and our church and the families around us, and hopefully a blessing and a legacy that goes on for generations to come, that we made a courageous choice, faith-based decision, and did the hard, hard work of homeschooling. And it is hard. I mean, there's no question about it. As, as Heidi St. John says, it's the best, hardest thing you'll ever do. 
but the blessings go from generation to generation. And we're just beginning to see the ripples now to the third generation. Uh, but it's such an, uh, an incredible legacy that we leave in our own lives and the lives of those around us. Yeah, amen to all of that. I was really, really struck. Steve and I didn't talk about this at all. He had no way of knowing. Next week's video is actually about something I've been thinking for the last several weeks, and that is all the things that God has taught and changed in me through this walk of faith in homeschooling. So like he so eloquently alluded to, we're going to talk about some very practical things. <clears throat> And some of the things that I really want you to be looking for, because it's so encouraging when you kind of take a step back and you see all that God is doing in your life. And it, we miss that when we're in the weeds. We miss some of the big picture stuff when we're just focused in on these things that are temporal. So, Steve, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your heart on that point. It, it just so was in line with where I, I was going for next week. It's amazing. Before we, we head out, what would kind of be your parting encouragement, your parting words to these moms that, that may get lost in the weeds sometimes? Um, so what would you encourage them to do is kind of their battle cry of this year. This is running the 1st of October. So there's a lot of, of time left in this school year to really capture every moment and, and keep our focus where it needs to be. Yeah, I... I... I don't know if I have a parting thought. I probably have several parting thoughts, but number one, you know, make those faith-based decisions. Don't let fear rule. You know, there's lots of questions that we have that only God knows the answers to. And it's shocking how often he will answer those in the most unexpected ways in the years to come. And you look back and you go, man, I never saw that coming. That, that came out of left field and God, I spent so much time worrying about that. And God had that thing sewed up from the beginning. Number two, you know, I saw a quote recently to the effect that uh, Jane and I love England. We've spent a number of weeks there over the past few years. And one of our favorite places there is the, is the library at Oxford University. And you walk through and there's bound leather volumes that are chained to the tables for the kings to read dating back to the 1100s. I think they said that they have like 26 miles of underground tunnels and I don't know how many million volumes, and they get a copy of every new book that's published, and it's, I, I, I have no idea what the number is, I forgot, but I mean, it's like 5,000 a day that come in and have to be cataloged and put away. Somebody else once said that the knowledge in the field of medicine doubles every year. We learn more in the past 12 months about medicine than we've known in all of human history up until now. So the reality is, you're not going to be able to teach your kids everything you're going to have to selectively choose. In fact, you're going to be able to teach your children just a tiny, tiny sliver of all the knowledge that's out there. So the question becomes, not can I do it all, but what do I want to focus on? What's important? What will make a difference in the long run? Yes, they need to read. Yes, they need to spell. Yes, they need to do, the, do their math. But beyond that, the biggest, maybe the biggest choice we have as parents is what out of that enormous universe of knowledge and information that's out there. What's important? What's going to make a difference? And most of that has an eternal focus to it. Most of that has an eternal significance. And we live in a world where, you know, I used to say years ago, there will come a day when you'll have something in your pocket that has all the knowledge of the world. Well, that I said that 25 years ago. That day is here. Every book ever written, every song ever recorded, every movie ever made, every interview ever recorded, all of that is available at your fingertips. Wikipedia, uh, Siri, they know all of that stuff, but they don't know the heart things. They don't know, Wikipedia doesn't know about eternity. 
uh, Siri doesn't know what really matters when the chips are down. And when we get to the end of our life, I mean, I think that's a valuable time. You know, I'm, I'm nearing that stage now as I push 70 years old. When we get to the end of our lives, you're not going to look back and say, oh, my gosh, if I could just go back and teach quadratic equations one more time, I could, I could pass away as a happy woman to eternity. Uh, and your kids are not going to sit gathered around your bed watching the heart monitor and watching the, the oxygen tubes in your nose and say, oh, mama, mama, if you could just go back one more time and teach me diagramming sentences, then I could be a happy woman. Those are not the things that, that matter. And so keeping our focus eternal, realizing that our job is to discern what is important to teach our children. Uh, those are the things that I think uh, will keep us grounded and centered in the school year to come. You can't do it all. It's a special season. It doesn't last long. You know, be willing to say no. There's so many opportunities, so many invitations. Would you be on this committee? Could you serve here? Would you volunteer at that? Right now, you've got your plate full as a, as a wife, a mother, a teacher, a parent. Be willing to say no in order to focus on the greater good during this season of your life because all too quickly, those kids are going to be gone, the doors will swing shut, and you're going to find yourself with 20 or 30 years left to figure out what to do with your life. Lots of time then to do all the things that couldn't quite fit into the schedule now. So faith-based decisions, discern what you need to be teaching your kids, ask God for the big picture, make faith the center of your choices rather than fear, and think through what's going to be really important at the end of this journey. And I don't mean the end, like the end of the school year. I'm talking about the end of your life and the end of your children's lives. What matters 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was, that was very well said. And, and exactly, I think what all of us need to hear when we, when we feel the pressures of every day and everything seems so, the, the, what urgency of the immediate seems so big when God is doing a much greater work in us and in our children than we would have ever known. Steve, thank you so much for being here. I am so, so excited that you're going to be joining us at Teach Them Diligently this year. Do you know which events you're coming to? Do you remember? I haven't even looked to see which ones you're coming to yet. I don't off the top of my head. I think I'll be at six or seven of the events. So uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And we'll be there with the 25th anniversary, the brand new editions. That's the first time I've mentioned this. I haven't said the word to anybody, but the new 25th anniversary edition of five in a row that'll be updated and some new surprises out there. So, so that'll be great. We're looking forward to next year. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending your time with us this morning and sharing your heart. It was a joy. So thank you for that. And please tell Jane that we all said hi and we missed her on here as well. Um, and have a great weekend. And for the rest of you all, I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope that you'll really kind of meditate on some of the points that Steve made. There's a lot that we can glean from the wisdom that he shared. So until next weekend, I will see you, or I hope you have a great time, and I will see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you on site at one of our many events each year and throughout the year when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community. Go to www.teachthemdiligently.net forward slash podcast to get more details and resources to encourage and equip your family. 
While you're there, you can also pick up the show notes and additional information from today's show. It's our daily prayer that God will encourage and equip your family through Teach Them Diligently. And we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note or share your stories with us on social media with the hashtag WeTTD. God is doing great things within his families all around the world, and we would love to celebrate that with you. We'd also love to have you join us by subscribing to our podcast and then sharing it with a friend who could use a little encouragement as they too follow God's plan for their family. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, and I look forward to visiting with you again real soon.